pumped that you are here this morning. I think that you are here on purpose. I 100% believe that you are here on purpose. And I, um, yeah, I, some of you have, have been here, and, and so um, my dad's a pastor here. His name is David as well. They are traveling uh, right now. They are in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, they'll be back in, my wife would tell you, what, nine days or so. I think that the countdown is on because our oldest daughter is there with them, um, visiting my brother and his wife, um, where they are school teachers. And so I will um, I'll be getting to step in here today and preach. And my sister, I believe, is on for next week, so you don't want to miss that. And, uh, yeah, just kind of filling in and sharing what the, we believe the Lord has for this group of people. And I, um, I got a little fired up this week when I started to dive into this message. It's a series we, we kind of had set out ahead of time, and, and we were following some outlines on, and it, it stirred up my heart. But I, I thought of something this morning. Actually, it was last night when I was going over my notes again. In case you ever get the wrong idea and think that somehow, because we stand behind this thing and because we're called to preach, that we have it together, um, I want to provide Exhibit A of why that is not true. Um, if you'll notice, you can probably see these lines on those. I, I just got a new color printer at work, and I like the color purple, and so I highlighted my main points in purple, um, which did not work very well. Um, so it's the, quite a, kind of the equivalent of drawing over my most important lines in Sharpie. Um, and I noticed that last night at about 10 o'clock when I sat down to go over my notes. You also know if you were closer, there is banana smudge on here. I think that's what that is. Um, I have no idea where that came from, but there appears to be some banana on here from, I'm going to blame it on my three-year-old, but I'm not sure. So I just want to communicate, um, I'm going to share some really challenging things today. I think that that's a really important part of stepping into this position. We're invited to that role when we step into this position. That doesn't mean that we have it all together, that we are, we are completely rolling in every aspect of our life and it's all perfect. I am just another knucklehead, but I'm a knucklehead who really loves Jesus. Okay, And so I believe that that Jesus wants to speak today. And I believe he has something for us today. And I believe there's a handful of people in this room who this message is going to stir something in. And this is going to be a Sunday when you look back and you'll be like, I remember when. I remember when. So God, will you please make that true? Will you please come and make that true? Begin to stir in hearts. Let your Holy Spirit come. God, this isn't about my delivery it's about something your Holy Spirit wants to stir in your people today. So we invite that. Tune our ears, position, soften our hearts, position our attitudes in a posture that is ready to receive so that we can go forward and live a life that you're inviting us to. Amen. So we are wrapping up a four-week series called Divine Direction. Um, and it is my prayer that God is going to stir in some of you a divine direction to take a step away from where you are into a direction that God wants you to be, a step towards your destiny. And in, to do that, sometimes we have to step away from our security. To step towards something new, we have to step away from something old. I really thought the lights up here would make these purple a little bit lighter, and it is not working. Um, 
but I, I, I believe that we are, we are here to seek um, God's d- divine direction. And many of you, God is going to call to start something new even today. To start something new, to start in a new direction. It might be to start school. It might be to start over in a relationship that you've lost trust in. It might be to start rehab. Maybe you've tried to overcome an addiction for a long time and you just cannot. It might be to start a new job, start a ministry, start tithing, start a small group, start some type of business. I don't know what it's going to be, but to step towards your destiny, you often have to step away from your security so that you can experience and step into something new. I'm going to say a couple of things. If you've heard me preach before, you know I like really obvious things. I need it to be obvious. I need it to be clear. I need it to be simple. But I want to say them, and I'm going to say them over and over because they're true. The challenge is, for so many people, it's often the start that stops us. We, we see today, um, we see the before and after pictures, right? We see like on Instagram, um, somebody's selling us a product or a new program and she weighed 212 pounds and now she weighs 106 pounds and she's a size two and we love her, but we hate her. (laughs) And we don't know how she did it, but we want that. We don't know how to get there and so we don't start. So many times it's the start that stops us. And again, this seems obvious, but it's so important. You will never, ever, 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 ever finish something that you don't start. You'll never finish something that you don't start. So for this final week of divine direction, I'm praying that God will give some of you the faith to start. To start in a direction that will alter the course of your life. To do it, we're going to look back at, at the story of Nehemiah. In the Old Testament. I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. I know a lot of us didn't grow up in church or even church people. Sometimes we we don't know all this stuff. Um, So the backstory of Nehemiah is that God basically told his people, I want you to do a couple things. I want you to obey me and I want you to worship me. Okay? I want you to obey me and worship me. Seems simple enough. Unfortunately, neither of those were followed. They didn't obey and they didn't worship him. And so God allowed this outside nation, the Babylonians, to come in and destroy and demolish everything that mattered to the people. The Babylonians wiped out the temple, destroyed the great city wall, burned most of the city, and took God's people into captivity. Can you identify with that maybe today? Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I didn't obey him, I didn't worship him, and now my city is in ruins. My life is in ruins. That was, that's the story of God's people. You're in good company. 140 years later, think of that. 140 years later, there's a remnant. Small group of people goes back to the homeland, and they say, we need to rebuild this. They're discouraged, they're embarrassed, they're humiliated. Things aren't going anywhere, and suddenly God gives one man, a man named Nehemiah, a divine burden. He puts something in his heart. He stirs in him, like we're, we're praying that God would do for us today. And he looks on, even from another city away, and he just says, you know what? 
this isn't okay with me. This is God's place. We're God's people. This is not okay with me. We're not going to allow this anymore. As long as I'm alive, I'm not going to stand for this. I got a friend who uses the phrase, not on my watch. Not on my watch. We should pause real quick. Is something stirring in you already? Is something stirring in you already? Maybe a divine burden that's saying that you're right, this is not right, and I'm over it. Just maybe when you care enough to do something, you'll start. Today we're going to talk about faiths to start. I love the phrase divine burden. Some of you have one. Maybe you don't even know it yet. There's something in your life when you look on and you think, I'm not okay with that. And because I'm a Jesus follower and because of the heart of God, I, I can't sit by and let some injustice prevail. There may be something in your life where you look and you say, somebody's got to do something about this. And at some point you think, well, it might as well be me. I've seen it over and over again. I think of um, our friends, Sherwood Oaks Christian Church in town. Um, a few years ago, someone in their congregation noticed that there was this, this organization in town called CASA. Um, I think it's court-appointed special advocate, right? And so there's this a, a great need for this. And there were 100 children in Monroe County who needed someone to just come alongside them and be an advocate for them. Think about that. When in your life have you needed an advocate? Maybe you were a child, but a child needing an advocate in the court system? Someone in their church this was brought to their attention, they started barking up trees and saying, hey, we got to do something about this. And as a church, they, they drew attention to it. Three years later, as of March 31st this year, there were zero kids that were waiting for a court-appointed special advocate. Went from 100 to zero in three years because someone said, that's not right. Someone needs to stand in the gap. That's cool, right? It's because someone took the courage to start and just take one step and start telling your friends. And maybe took that one on themselves. Your divine burden often reveals your divine direction. Your divine burden, that which your heart aches on behalf of God and what he's revealing, how he's revealing something that he wants you to do. I don't know what that might look for you. Maybe you're a man that struggled with pornography addiction and you've struggled for so long and you're just embarrassed about the thought. And, and maybe it's coming out to some other guys and saying, look, this is something I'm battling with. Anybody else in the room with me? Maybe we can, we can experience victory together. Maybe we ex can experience freedom from this together. It might be that you look on the tragedy. I mean, it's great that there's zero kids, but what about our foster system right now? It's massive, okay? It's overwhelming numbers. Maybe, maybe you say, you know what, I can't foster all of them, but we can foster one. I have a friend who just bravely, young lady I know, um, that, that just bravely is stepping into this right now. It's so cool. Divine burden reveals a divine direction. I want to pause real quick. This wasn't necessarily part of this message, but we, 
It is absolutely true. If you are here consistently, you know one thing we say regularly is it is about who we are before what we do. Today's message is going to focus a lot on what, something that you're called to do with your life. But that flows from who you're called to be first. We, we know that we are called to be invited to be his kids. My favorite verse, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We're his kids. We're invited to be his children first. And so it's not about accomplishing something in the name of Jesus, but it is about submitting ourselves to him to say, yeah, I I identify myself as one of your kids. And then the next step in that is saying, now what will you do with me? What will you do in and through my life? Nehemiah had this experience. He said, it might as well be me. His divine burden revealed a divine direction. So what do you do when you get this kind of burden? Well, um, what's kind of interesting when you look at Nehemiah, he was the least likely guy. Um, Like His idea is, okay, I feel a burden to go build this wall. I want to rebuild this wall because I'm I'm fed up with God's people not even, like that was a a symbol of... um, I don't know, a symbol of pride's maybe the wrong word, but a symbol of like, this is where our community identifies with this. And so I want to go do this to kind of rally our people. He was very unlikely to do this. His job was actually, he was a cupbearer. Anybody know what a cupbearer did back then? There's a king, and there's a cupbearer, and the cupbearer's job is to take a sip out of the cup before the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So like there's wine, and he gets a sip of the wine, doesn't die, okay, it's good for the king. Not a super, like, challenging job. Might seem even kind of enjoyable. The, the risks are a little hairy, but some of us are probably willing to do that. But it's not necessarily something that takes a lot of skill. He's not a trained construction worker, right? He's not trained. It's like asking me to go build a wall and not Josh. That's stupid, right? You don't want to do that. I can even hang a picture straight in my house. Okay, so Cupbearer is asked to do this, and he has to be thinking, why me? That not make any dang sense. What about the guy that uses a hammer every day? I'm the guy that drinks from a cup. My skill sets don't line up. God equips the called. Okay? He, he's not worried about calling the equipped. If we, if we have it all together, if we think we can do it on our own self, our own power, our own, our own whatever, it's not about that. He wants to show up so he can show off. So here's a guy that doesn't seem to be prepared at all. He has this burden and he's wondering, who am I? What am I supposed to do about this? Which is exactly what God may call you to do. Who am I? I don't seem to be that prepared. But if God's given you a burden right now, he gives it to you because he trusts you to do something about it. So what do you do? What do you do when God starts to put a burden on your heart to point your life in a new direction? The first thing Nehemiah did was he took it to God. He got down on his knees and he prayed this powerful prayer. I'm going to read it for us. It's out of Nehemiah um, chapter 1, verse 5. Do you do this? Is this a part of your... I can't tell you, like, this is a practice that will help you. If you are <laughs> anywhere in your life, any day, just get down. If you, if you can get down on a knee, get down on a knee and just say, God, will you come right now? I need your direction. I need your anointing. I need your favor. I need your wisdom in this situation. 
I'm in a season of life where I feel like I might be doing that every day. I, don't, I haven't been keeping track. Sometimes you just feel in over your head. And you just need to say, God, will you come in? And so this is what he does. He prays this, Lord, God of heaven, great and awesome God. It's a great place to start. Start in awe of God. Let your ear be attentive to the cries of my heart. I confess our sins, including my own God. We've acted wickedly towards you. You had us do two basic things. We couldn't live up to those. God, will you remember the promises you gave your people, God? Grant your servant success as I go before the king today. Isn't that cool? Before he even goes and takes his first step, he just says, God, will you, will you just come? Will you just show up? I'm in over my head, but you have put something on my heart. You've been stirring in me. Will you just, will you just come? He says, God, give me favor before the king. So he goes before the king. He says, Look, king, I know this sounds crazy, but would you bless me to leave where I am? You know, someone else is going to have to sip from your cups for a little bit. Um, I'm supposed to, I feel like I'm supposed to travel 850 miles to Jerusalem. And I know I'm the cupbearer, but I feel like I'm supposed to start this construction project and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and redeem the reputation of our God amongst the nations. So there it is. Would you give me this favor? And the king moved by the heart of God, and he said, yes. Step one, he started something. It brings us to the question, how do you as a Jesus follower with a divine burden, how do you start something big? How do you start something big? I want to qualify big. Big could be starting a business. Big could be joining a small group. Big could be paying off your student loan debt. Big could be being a godly husband, being a godly wife, being a godly parent. How do you start something big? When I'm talking about big, I'm talking about what God has called you to do that is something of significance. Where is an area he is inviting you to grow and take that next step in? For so many people, it's the start that stops them, and you never, ever finish something that you don't start. Thought number one, if you're taking notes, how do you do something big? Number one, you start small. Number one, you start small. How do you do something big? You start small. I love this imagery in, in Zechariah 4.10, and it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work what? Begin. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of starting something small. Because what does the Lord, what does he do? The Lord rejoices when the work begins. I think the perfect analogy for this is I have this image of, I can remember, I can remember, Anybody have kids who remember taking their first steps? Maybe remember those moments? I remember um, Drew's was in our fireplace room in our house. And we stood him up, and Abby was videoing, like any good parent in 20, 
17 it probably was. I don't know what year that was. You got your iPhone out and you're ready to go. And so we get to relive this moment all the time. But I remember she's on the couch and I'm rolling around the floor and he's crawling all over me. And I'm just like, okay. And I put him up and then I back away about four feet. And what does Drew do? Right? That's, that's, that's what it looks like, right? Is he walking? Yes. Does it look, am I like, man, that sucked, little guy. That was terrible. Well, like, what do you even think? No. I'm like, yeah, I can still hear Abby's voice. Oh, boy. Like, you're so excited because they took the first step. They took the first step. It ended with him falling into my arms. I have, we have the same video. I hope we have one of Lisa now that I'm saying this stuff. I, but I, I have the same video. I remember being at my father-in-law's house when AJ took his. And I remember him stumbling across. And he ends up in my arms. And Abby's on the camera. Both of those scenarios. We were so pumped because he took the first step. We weren't like, man, that was really stupid. You fumbled all the way through that. No, we're like, that's awesome. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We know the first step means many to come. It's so cool. This is what your God does whenever he gives you a burden that reveals a direction And you don't understand the details, but suddenly you have the faith to take those first baby steps. God's like, ah, that's awesome. Go. What's interesting, if you look at the story of Nehemiah, and you go back to the very end and you trace back the steps from there, the small steps. It's really pretty encouraging to look at. So we're going to go kind of, at the very end, we're going to look at the story. The very end, they built this wall. They built this wall. That probably seemed a little far-fetched even to him when he was going to the king and saying, I know, I'm the cupbearer, I drink for a living, and now I'm going to go travel 850 miles and I'm going to start building a wall with a really small crew. He, he probably didn't have full faith in his mind to say that right there. Yeah, I see the wall. It's, it's amazing in my mind. He probably, he's probably thinking a little bit, if we're honest. He got, God has me on this kind of, kind of crazy thing. And I'm gonna, but at least I'm going to be 850 miles away from anybody that I'm telling about it right now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my donkey and go now. We're going to work backwards because they built that wall. If you go back a step before that, they worked their tails off. If you go back another step before that, what did they do? They worked with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. They had to fight opposition. People didn't want them building this wall. Another step before that, they're working their tails off some more. Another step before that, they, um, someone had to have the courage to put down the first stone. Another step before that, and you see Nehemiah rallying the people who didn't believe it could be done. Fight for your brothers, fight for your sisters, fight for your children, fight for your God. He's out there motivating people. If you go back a step before that, you see him investigating by night, taking notes. What are we going to do? How's this going to work? If you go a step before that, you see him actually waiting three days. If you go a step before that, you see him traveling the 850 miles. Probably, like I said, on a donkey. 
850 miles. I was up for a little bit in the middle of the night last night. One of our young sons woke us up, and I was tossing and turning, and I started, Abby and I have a trip that we're planning in about a month, and it's about 850 miles. I'm looking at using a rental car, not a donkey. <laughs> Before that, what did he do? Well, he had to pack his bags. You have to start somewhere. If you want to do something big, what do you do? You, you start small. You put the bag out on the bed. You throw some socks in. Have the faith to start small. This is what Nehemiah did. Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He gathered all the chief officials around, the priests, the nobles, the who's who, and he said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. This is his burden. This is his burden. He says, its gates have been burned with fire. Lost my spot. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them all about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king said to me, and they replied, they replied, let us, I got to do better highlighting next time, let us start rebuilding. So they begun this good work. They begun this good work. What did God do? He rejoiced because he saw the work begin. He saw that first Frankenstein-looking step of a baby, and the father rejoiced. How do you do something big? How do you do something significant? You have the faith to start small. What's interesting is he didn't know the details. He didn't know how it would play out. If you hear last week a few phrases, there's a spirit's prompting. There's certain uncertainty. That, that's going to come. A really important point that I don't want you to miss is you don't have to have the faith to finish. It's not what we're calling this today. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You have to have the faith to start. You don't have to have the faith to say, I can see how we're going to rebuild this wall and what's it going to look like and all the way all the way to the end. You just have to have the faith to put down the first stone. I think about a, a really, really dark season in my life. Um, I think it was about 11 years ago when I, I was in a depression and I would use the phrase um, that I felt like my life was so dark I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Some of you can identify with that. That, that, that was me um, in 2000, the spring of 2008. And I would use that f phrase a lot. And there's a guy named Steve Psalms. Some of you know that name. He's the, the pastor that led my parents to the Lord. Um, I was talking with him one day, and he said, um, then ask for the light for one step. Ask for enough light for one step. And if he only gives you enough light to see the hand in front of your face, then walk into your hand. It doesn't, you do not have to have the faith to finish, to see it through, all that you need the faith to start right now. That's what today's about. I hope this speaks to somebody. You don't have to know all the details. God won't give you all the details. Then it's not faith. He's going to lead you in a direction, and then you take a step. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You have to have the faith to start. I have a really good friend, Tyler. Tyler 
um, awesome dude, um, really, really good friend. He, a few years ago, was, was just really overweight, okay? And so he said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it, but I don't really know what I'm going to do. Pam, do you have a picture of my friend Tyler? Um, this is Tyler. So on the left, this was, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago. And he just said, you know what? I'm going to do something about the life that I'm living right now. And this, this feels like a burden. This, he, he didn't know what to do, so you know what he did? He stopped drinking soda. He took one step. He stopped drinking soda. Not that one, the one before. You're good, you had it. You, yeah, that, that guy right there, he stopped drinking soda. And then he, he did that for a while, and he stopped. The first thing he did was he gave up soda for an entire year. And he started to lose a little bit of weight, and he started to walk a little bit. And he ended up joining, that's him at Planet Fitness, he's there all the time now. He is now um, studying to be a personal trainer. He's lost over 100 pounds, and his life looks completely different. His life looks completely different, but you know what he did? He stopped drinking soda. I'm not proclaiming. I had a soda yesterday or the day before. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti what. I'm saying that that's his first step, and he had the courage to start. It's a big difference. Honestly, I think it's even more in person when you see him in person. How do you have something big and significant? How do you accomplish and see something big and significant in your life? You start small. Now, you think big. I'm not saying think small. <laughs> you can think big, dream big all day. That's great. But the starting, the starting is small. And it could be simply something as much as I'm going to take a water bottle with me wherever I go so I don't order the soda. Or I'm going to find something, whatever it is. We see these all the time on social media. Do you have my, uh, my young couple picture? I don't know what order I sent them in. But I, I see these all the time. So I just picked a random one. I don't know these people. But there's uh, this, this couple right here. They looked like a super normal couple to me. If you follow on any of the social media stuff, I follow the Dave Ramsey stuff. And they're always, or, or even listen to the um, radio they're always, every day there's people screaming out, we're debt free. This one particular couple, $39,000 of debt paid off in 16 months. I guarantee they took a step and they said, you know what? We're going to, we're going to establish a budget. We're going, to, we're going to put it down in writing at the beginning of the month and we're going to name every dollar before it comes in. They, they, they took a baby step and all of a sudden, 16 months later, they're not walking around with almost $40,000 of debt weighing them down, feeling like every dollar is spent before it came in. That's a big deal. Put stuff like that in your life. If you're not, if you're not following those things on social media or listening to those kind of messages on the radio, if that's you, put those kind of messages in your life that it can be done, that it's real. It happens every day. I could have I done, we've done the, the Dave Ramsey like class here before at the church, but I could have picked thousands of these. This is just one. I was just like, that looks like a totally vineyard couple to me. I don't know. It just they kind of stuck out to me. But, but $39,000, 60 months, that could be you. And just maybe today's your day that you said, you know what? 
we're going to, you know how Abby and I, <laughs> we were joking, we, we had a young couple over within the last week, and they're young and starting off and don't have a lot of money, and we were having dinner with them, and Abby was sharing a story of, uh, that makes my, I'm glad his mom's not here because she'd probably cry if she heard us again. Abby and I for a little while did these um, baked bean sandwiches, okay? That was something that we did to be able, when we were living um, in married housing at Olivet, and I was working and she was finishing up school, baked beans are pretty affordable, and so are hot dog buns. And so we did baked bean sandwiches for more meals than I care to remember. Um, and But that afforded us the opportunity to be able to live and be married and not be going into crazy amount of debt. Think big, but start small. Make little adjustments in your life. And it, it might hurt, but make those sacrifices. How do you start something significant and big? You have to have the faith to start small. Don't let the start stop you. You never finish something you don't start. I believe God's going to speak to somebody today. God, will you do that right now? Will you start stirring hearts? God's going to speak to somebody, and they're going to start. Today's going to be a start. So what do you do? Number one, you start small. Number two, get ready for it. This is really big. You take the next step. You take the next step. You start small and you take the next step. This is what Nehemiah did. Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, they started to have some opposition. The bad guys started showing up. How about these names for goons out on the playground? Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab. Whatever, man. Bunch of goons that need whooped. Um, they showed up and they started mocking and ridiculing. If you were here last week, spirits prompting. You're going to feel a spirit's prompting. You're going to face certain uncertainty and predictable resistance. They're moving in God's direction, and there's resistance. Imagine that. One of the Dave Ramsey plan, you start working towards a $1,000 emergency fund, and what happens? Your dishwasher breaks. Okay, take the next step. They're mocking, are you rebelling against the king? They answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. We will start rebuilding. What do you do? You take the next step. You start small, and then you take the next step. You let God prompt you, and then you take the next step, and then you take another, and then you take another step after that, and then you take another I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm in a significant season of life right now. I just made, it's not a full career change, but it's, a, it's, a, it's been a job change about five months ago. I went from leading a ministry site for a group called Youth for Christ. I led this thing called Campus Life at Bloomington South, a job that I loved and really saw a lot of really cool stuff in over the last decade. But then God said, hey, I want you to shift roles. Now your, your area isn't one high school. Your area is now seven counties. And so you need to look at the business side of things. You need to run this organ. You need to provide leadership for an entire organization, not, not one school. And it has been incredibly, I said no the first time. The first three times I was asked to do this by our board, I said no. One of them I actually said hard pass was the verbiage that I gave them. I said find somebody else. And finally God said no, this is what we're doing. And so our mission is we want to empower adult leaders 
to engage in authentic Christ-sharing relationships with students ages 11 and 19. And I was really fired up to do that at Bloomington South next door. And I was really invested, and we had a really, really cool team there. But then God said, well, we're going to expand this. And so I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I have dreams. You know, I, I have, we have a ministry called Campus Life that goes into middle schools and high schools. We have a, a ministry currently called Parent Life that walks alongside um, teen parents. I pray that one day we, we get to expand into our juvenile detention centers. That's one thing that's really on my heart right now. It, it, there's a lot of opportunity for expansion. I don't, I, to be honest, I don't have it in me right now to say, all of these things are going to be so cool. All of these things are going to happen. I don't have that. I do have the opportunity to say, tomorrow morning I'm going to hop on a phone call with somebody and we're going to talk about what the next steps are. And that's kind of been where my life has been. I feel this is a little vulnerable right now. This is where I've been living since January. I feel like I don't, necess I don't have very many answers at all. I feel like there's all this kind of stuff and these like clouds around my head, and I don't have this like clearly lined out path, and I really want that, right? I really want to say, okay, God, what's next? But it's almost like what my friend Steve said. Okay, if he's giving you light for one step, then take that one step. You don't have to be able to walk out to the parking lot yet. I, in this, I'm drawing some inspiration from my friend Christian, okay? So um, I actually got to a week or so ago, I was with Christian at a um, Youth for Christ. We're on this regional team together, and um, I've known Christian for about two years now. I met him about two years ago, and in those two years, he has looked significantly different every time I've seen him, okay? So my friend Christian, um, actually the Giordano's picture with the, the Chicago Blackhawks shirt there. Okay, my friend Christian is on the right there. Um, and again, I'm not, uh, putting shame on Giordano's world famous stuffed pizza. It is kind of a fitting picture for the first picture. That's like my favorite pizza in the world, by the way, that I'm, I'm all about that place. So I'm definitely not putting any shame on that, but in balance and moderation, right? So I'm glad they don't have one here. I have to travel a little bit to go get it. But Christian, a couple years ago was at a staff retreat. And he had somebody on his team, two guys actually on his team, who said, hey, you want to go on a walk with us? And he went on a walk with them. And they walked on their downtime from their staff retreat. They walked for three miles. And for those two guys, I don't know that they sweat. For Christian, he came back and he took off his shoes and he explained it like this. He sat in a chair and he didn't know how to move for the next 24 hours. He couldn't move. His feet were swollen. His legs, his muscles were locked. When he went to get in his car and drive home the next day, he, he like had to get help getting out of his car because he couldn't move. He was so stiff. He had walked three miles, and it had rocked his world. I left all my notes for this on my phone. Will you show me the next picture, please? This is Christian. He went home, and he signed up for... A, I think this was a 4K, Fort for Fitness. He's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he texted me all these details. And he did a 4K, and that's him crossing the finish line. So in, uh, he's 335 pounds in the first picture that we saw him. He started by this, unknowingly kind of walking three miles. His next step 
was I'm going to start tracking everything I eat and start walking every day. Not even a, a set, like I'm not going to try to do three miles every day, but I'm going to walk something every day, whether it's the far, you know, parking spot at the grocery store or whatever it is, I'm just going to walk every day. And that, so May, um, in May that started in May 2017. In June, he added in, okay, I'm going to start lifting three days a week along with walking. Next step, his next step in July, he tried running during one of his walks. He went 100 yards and he threw up. In August, the next month, he signed up for his first ever race. It was a four-mile race, and he began training by just running one- to two-minute intervals and walking a ton. By the end of September, he ran the whole four miles of the race without stopping. He ran four miles in 45 minutes. He went from 335 pounds, not being able to walk, not being able to run 100 yards to running four miles in 45 minutes. That's pretty cool. In the next picture, at 200 days, in January of 2018, he had lost 100 pounds. 200 days he'd lost 100 pounds by basically walking every day and tracking what he was eating. He decided, I'm going to begin training for my first mini marathon, 13 miles. I did that once. Ouch. He's smarter than I did. I did it without training. That was really dumb. I thought I broke my foot. We'll go next picture. In May of 2018, he finished the Indy Mini Marathon with two of his Campus Life students. Next one. In July, he committed to running the 50K Ultra Marathon. Dudes and nuts. Trained for six months. That's him running. We'll go to the next couple. We can kind of scroll through. In December, he did the hardest thing he's ever done in his life, and he com completed an ultra marathon. He immediately set a new goal of mastering a marathon and getting faster. And at the end of April, he ran the, a Glass City Marathon. I mean, look at that. We can go another one. Last weekend, oh, by the way, you know, I was with him like the days leading up to this. He was like, oh, I'm going to run the one, there's one in South Bend this weekend. And he ran like a sub 345 marathon. It's just crazy. So all in all, we can go to the next, last picture. Um, all in all, he's lost 150 pounds. He went from a 3XL shirt to a medium. He went from running 100 yards to 32 miles says it's hard to believe where he had allowed his words, gluttony and complacency, to paralyze and rob him of so many good things. He started to walk every day. And then he got up the next day when his legs were a little sore, and he walked every day again. And then he said, what's the next step I'm going to lift? And then what's the next step? Okay, I'm going to put a big goal out there. I'm going to try to do this four-mile thing. I'm going to try to run 100 yards, the length of one football field. And I threw up, and you know what? Okay, I'm going to try again tomorrow. 
hope that that just you that God uses that to just inspire you. That just what if He is now a this is one this is the physical side. I can tell you the amount of leadership that he's grown in a lot of ways over these two years. It's not just because oh man he he was able to overcome some barrier with weight. This has changed him as a person. He is a significantly better leader than he was two years ago. Not because his body looks different, but because he has, he has stepped into what God has invited him to do. And he's taken one faithful step after another. Someone here today is feeling spiritually pregnant with an idea. And it's time to give birth. I had a friend drop by the house yesterday um, that he left his career eight years ago and felt like God was calling him to start a business. And that business has just, he, he had to take some major faith steps and they went without as a family for a little bit. They had to make some sacrifices to do some things. Eight years into this now, they just made a declaration that as a business, year, beginning in year nine, they're going to start to give one third of their profits away to charities. You start small. You start small. You take the first step, and then you just see where God, that's going to make a significant difference in his communities, in, in, in these, these organizations that are going to benefit from that. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but there's been something on your mind for a long time, and it doesn't mean you have to start big. It may be losing 20 pounds. That's what's really big for you. For you, it literally might be to step on a treadmill tomorrow, today, and then followed by another step on a treadmill, followed by pushing away the brownie. You do something significant, and you feel better about yourself, and then you take the next step. It might be you want to get out of debt. How do you do that? It just seems so big. Well, let's work towards a $1,000 emergency fund. Well, where in the world am I ever going to find a $1,000 emergency fund? Well, you decide to not go out for a meal or fast food. Instead, you eat at home. You buy those nice baked beans, Bush's baked beans. They're not bad. They got, multiple, they got way more flavors than they did back then. Okay. It might be that you just you listen. Maybe, maybe your thing is that God wants you pursuing Jesus, and that's your big thing. And you get easily distracted by the things of this world. But life would be so much different if you're consistently seeking him first. How do you, how do you become more like Christ? Well, you pick up the version Bible app on your phone, and you start a reading plan. Pick up a Bible, start reading through. Right now, I, I'm in a season where I am needing, <laughs> I talked about the stretching that I'm going through. Whatever day of the month it is, I go and I read that proverb. Today is what, the ninth? Proverbs 9, okay? That's how I'm starting my day at my office every day right now, and I'm going to do that for months. Whatever day of the week it is, or whatever day of the month is, I know that I am in tremendous need of wisdom. And God says if you, if you ask for wisdom, he will gladly give it and freely give it. Proverbs is a book that involves a lot of wisdom. Maybe that's your start. 
The first thing you do when you wake up, you seek God. The next thing, God may prompt you saying, you know, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a verse a day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put... When I put that Bible off my phone, I'm going to have it send a text alert to me. Every day I get a verse, and, and I'm just going to start growing in my faith with God. And maybe, maybe then the next step looks like, um, I, okay, I've been hearing about a small group at church. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to join that. I'm going to show up, and I'm, I'm going to just see what it's like to um, get my roots planted deeply in a spiritual community. And you know, that would help my faith. And you do that, maybe you never know. Maybe there's um, an opportunity. We're always looking for people on the serve team. And all of a sudden, you start to see how your actions and your, intentionally, your intentionality affects other people in their walk with Jesus. All of a sudden, you turn around and you're like, oh, how did that happen? I went from like needing to really kind of focus myself on Jesus, all of a sudden, I'm impacting others. God's cool like that. Take one step, then another. Start small, start simple. I love what St. Francis of Assisi said. He said this. He said, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. That's what Nehemiah did. He had a divine burden. It revealed a divine direction. God, give me favor as I step out and talk to the king. King, would you grant me permission? Okay. King said, yeah, I'm going home to pack my bag. Got to put my toothbrush in there. I got to go get on my donkey. I got to take another step and another step. And I got to wait three days. I got to survey the land. I got to rally the people. I got to put down the first stone. What's miraculous, they built that wall. And the people looked at it, and they, and they say, this, this is one of the, like, the greatest construction projects in history. They built this wall in 52 days. I want to put that in relevant context today. We live right next to Rogers and Gordon Pike. <laughs> they built that wall in 52 days. <laughs> With no equipment. Right, with no equipment. Yes, 52 days. And we look at that, and we're like, cool. I bet they were like, cool. That wall is awesome. Project completed. They're probably like, we did it. Not at all. On the other side of that was another project that God was going to entrust them with. Because when they built the wall... God then said, okay, now rebuild the temple. Now rebuild the economy. Now rebuild the culture. Rebuild the passion and obedience to the one true God. There was a divine direction. That's why we're, we're not talking in terms of divine um, destination. It's a direction because you never will fully arrive. What we do is we move in the direction that Jesus is calling us to. Suddenly when you do one thing, oh, there's another opportunity. All of a sudden that surface has provided us a new opportunity. Who knows what's on the other side of your first step of obedience? I guarantee my friend Christian had no idea. What did they even call that, an ultra marathon? It's so far from like my world of, like what? No way. Who knows what's on the other side of that first step of obedience? You do not have to have the faith to finish. You have to have the faith to start. You 
do not have to have the faith to finish. You have to have the faith to start. Dream big, but start small. Most of all, start. Write that somewhere. Start. Write it on your hand. Write it on your paper. Write it on your shoe. Wherever you need to do, that it's going to be that little nagging thing that's in your way until you just start. What is that burden that God is putting and stirring in your heart right now? Maybe it is something cool like, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going I'm to make fitness a part of my life so that I can be a, a better leader or a better parent or whatever to be more involved. That's something that I've had to challenge myself with. My boys run circles around me. Oh, my word, do they have so much energy. I have to be really intentional about this. Something I've tried, I have not successfully mastered yet. I'm trying to do, as soon as they come home, I do not hit the car and park before AJ is at my door can we play pass? Can we go in the arm and play pass? You know what I say too many times that I'm ashamed of? Dude, I got to sit down for a little bit. Dad's tired. I'm exhausted for work. And I don't give my family my best because I've spent my best at my office. We're out doing work. And so I need to change that. So something I'm challenging myself right now, and I'm vulnerable right now because I'm sharing out now, now I got to do it, is I'm trying to not sit down for 30 to 60 minutes when I get home. Because my boys deserve better than that. My, my daughter too, but for whatever reason, that's their love language is just energy playing in the yard as soon as I get home. She operates in a little different way, but the boys need, boys need playing ball in the yard. 30 to 60 minutes as soon as I get home, don't let my butt hit the seat because when I do, whew, daddy needs a nap. write that somewhere start I don't know some of you know our, our family's history if you do do you think my, for a moment my mom had the faith to say that she didn't influence an entire family tree for Jesus that we that there might be so many people following Jesus with the last name Shunk that's not our for those of you that are new that's not our family history but in I should know the timeline, maybe 1978, this young married couple, dad, the, the husband's a stoner and the, the wife's trying to figure out who she just married and what the heck she just did. Her friend introduces her to Jesus, and she's like, oh, well, I'm already married to this guy. What do I do? I'd have whooped the tail out of my dad if he thought about looking at mom back in the day. And so she starts leaving a pamphlet around the house. These little things, these little booklets about Jesus. And she just lets the Holy Spirit do the work. And she lives out a life in front of her, in front of him. And she just starts, God, will you just reveal yourself in a way? Because you are true and you are almighty. And you are God. I want my husband to know that and experience you just as I have. He begrudgingly goes to church. Probably griping the whole way. I think he tries to sit out in the car at first in the parking lot. And then he's a little curious and he goes in. Long story short, he says yes to Jesus. He's baptized all of his kids, some of his grandkids even. Dude's led a lot of people to Jesus. Mom didn't have the vision for that. 
I'm at the vision to say, God, I'm just going to leave this little pamphlet right here and I'm going to try to honor you with my life. That seemed impossible. That seemed like the furthest thing from reality in 1978. They just celebrated 40 years, last summer I think it was, 40 years of walking with Jesus together. Isn't that cool? It seemed impossible. I, I'm, gonna, I'm getting a sense there's somebody in here that needs to hear this. We're gonna just, we need to pray for a new attitude because we get caught up in the impossible. Oh, well, that's him. Christian, he's different than me for some reason. It can't be me. I can't, I can't walk 100 yards. Okay, maybe that's, I don't know. I'm not calling, I'm not saying God's inviting everybody to run an ultra marathon someday. I am saying that God's calling you to take a first step, and maybe it's like Tyler in eliminating soda for, for a little bit, for either your budget reasons or for your water's cheaper than soda too, so that could help financially. Whatever it is, what's your first step that God's putting on your heart? Some of us, our first step is to stop whining and start praying. Amen? If we find ourselves consistently talking about the crap in our lives and not talking about the God who wants to intervene in our lives, maybe every time we catch ourselves whining, maybe our first step is like, I just, I, I whine so much, I got to carry this around and I got to open up and I got to read a verse. Even if it's begrudgingly, I'm going to open this thing up because my life sucks right now and I'm mad at everything and nothing is going good, but dang it, if I'm not reading that verse that I highlighted yesterday because I started reading Proverbs and I say it out loud. What's your first step? Find it. Do it. When you care enough, you'll do something about it. You'll take that first step. When you have that divine burden that points you in a divine direction, you'll do something about it. I hope you wrote that word start somewhere that's not going to wash off quickly. Just start where you are. Not where they are. Not where they were. Start where you are right now. Then one day you might look back and you realize that that very small step that you took today, it'd be cool. I'd love to hear next week on these little handout cards the step that you took this week, the step that you took today. What's June 9th? It's my uncle's birthday. June 9th. What if today was the day that you took that first step? Took that step in the right direction, and it was actually one of the biggest steps of faith of your entire life. You made that phone call to that person with that broken relationship and you just said, I'm going to throw myself out there and we've got a rough history, but can I take you out to coffee? You take that first step in the God-inspired direction and it might just become one of the biggest steps of faith of your entire life because you had no idea what our good God was capable of and what he would do on the other side. I love Galatians 6, 9. It tells us, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, at the proper time, it doesn't say in my time. He moves a lot slower than I think he should sometimes. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Somebody needs to hear this today. Do not grow weary in doing good. Take another step, and then another step, and then another step. Start it. It's in you. God gave you the burden, so start it, and then take a step, and then take another step. Do not grow weary in doing good for the proper time. You may not immediately see it. You'll see it eventually. 
if you want to fuel, if, if there's something in here like, yeah, this is cool and all, but if you need something to like fire you up a little bit and, and keep this going, this sermon series is based on a book called Divine Direction. Read the book by Craig Rochelle. Pick up the book, Divine Direction by Craig Rochelle. He's a fantastic leader. The second book I'm actually reading, um, I'm about halfway through this one this week, is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Atomic Habits by James Clear. So if you want some fuel for the fire, to, that just maybe this might not be just another message. This might not just be just another Sunday. Pick up those books, Divine Direction by Craig Rochelle and Atomic Habits by James Clear. God does big things through a lifetime of faithfulness, okay? I want to encourage you, do not grow weary in doing good. If you're faithful, just be faithful to what God put in your heart and dream big. You can start small. Have the faith to take the next step. Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. You have no idea if you'll take that first step where God will take you one day. In five years, in ten years, in twenty 20 years from now, if you just faithfully serve Jesus, just don't let the start stop you. You never finish what you don't start. So dream big and start small. Most of all, one day, you'll look back. Yeah. Yeah. I have spoken to my sister Chris for 16 years. Hmm. A lot of horrible circumstances that surround us, surrounded us. Um, Greg has the um, some of the mental illness. Yeah. Praise God. And you can even be lumped in with the best brothers that I ever had. Yeah. Um, we've, we've spoken a, a few other times, and, and I just never stop forgetting this. Yeah. 
Yeah. But God has taken that first step and just made a phone call and a restored. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the beginnings of a restored relationship because you took a first step. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Can I have the, the worship team come up? We're going to... Um, we're going to close. I'm just going to, we've got a couple things that we do at the end. Um, we collect our tithes and offerings. Um, it's, um, we, you can give electronically, 